0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you decided to join us today. Whether you're watching here in person or you're watching online, we're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, in fact, one way we help you do that is by what we call Next Steps. Uh, which is going to be happening on December 4th. So if you've never been to Next Steps, if you're like, man, I'm new to the church, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you don't feel plugged in or connected, then I want to encourage you to sign up for this. Uh, You can uh, scan the QR code on your worship guide that's on your seat or seat next to you, uh, and you can sign up right there. There'll be free food uh, and then childcare, and, you know, the Broncos probably aren't playing a night game uh, it doesn't really matter now anyways, you know, but whatever. Uh, so we'd love to have you guys uh, join us if, you, uh, if you're if you free on December 4th. Right now, we're in the middle of a series called For the Church, For the City, uh, where we're looking at not only this time period of the Israelites and how their time period really reflects our time period, but also... Uh, where we're going as a church, and I've just been so humbled uh, and blessed by you guys and your involvement, your prayers, your fasting, uh, how you're engaging in this series. Uh, if you if you're new or maybe you haven't gotten a booklet or T-shirts or whatever, you can swing by or for the church for the city uh, table out uh, in the courtyard area, and you can get more information uh, from from that area. And basically, uh, today I want to give you some information. And if you've been coming for a little bit, then then I'm sharing it with you again because I don't. Uh, I don't think you can over communicate, especially as we're heading into next week. Also, if you've already heard this information, uh, they say the average person in Colorado attends church once every five weeks. So if you've already heard this information, you're above average. Uh, so thanks for being here more than once. Uh, if you're new, uh, our prayer is that this just be home for you. Uh, that, that's our biggest prayer. And if you want to be a part of this, great. But our hope is that this would just become. Home. So what are we doing? We're uh, in a, uh, starting a two-year giving initiative. Where, over the next two years, we're asking our church to give above and beyond their normal tithes and offerings for this two-year process. What are we doing it for? It's to get a building. Uh, we've been portable for the last eight years of our church. We've met in nine different locations. Uh, and so we believe that this is our time to step into our own home so we can care for our community in greater ways. We can see more people come to faith in Christ and just see God do greater things. The only way we get there is by raising $4 million. $4 million is a lot of money. Uh, so I'm just praying that God moves mountains, that God does some miraculous things in, in our lives. And uh, $4 million is uh, not going to build us a building. If you know anything about the current culture that we're in, it's a lot of money. Uh, we have financing lined up. We're under contract for the land, but $4 million gets the shovel into the dirt. If we don't raise it, there's a good chance we lose this possibility. Uh, so this is kind of a moment for us as a church to step into it. Uh, or, uh, or for God to do uh, something completely, completely different. Uh, no, with a number like that, it's going to take all of us. That's really our goal is 100% participation. In fact, our kids right now, they're in their classrooms giving whatever they've been uh, processing over the last few weeks. And you know, my kids this morning were super excited to be able to give uh, their money. Uh, we've created this chart of gifts so that you know kind of what we need to be able to reach $4 million. Now, obviously, if you're like, man, I've got 4 million sitting around, we'll take that too, and we don't have to worry about this chart of gifts. Uh, but for the average person, this is kind of where we go. Uh, and as you're praying about it, you're probably going to have two numbers. You're going to have a, a, a safe number. It's like, man, I could do that. That won't that change a whole lot about our, our lifestyle. And then you're going to have a faith number. Uh, at least that's how my wife and I process it. We're like, oh, well, that would be easy or, you know, not as hard. And then one was like, oh, junk. Like We're going to have to step out in faith and trust that God's going to come through. And let me tell you, if you choose your faith number, God's going to meet you there. Uh, God's going, hey, don't worry about this area of your life. I've got you. I've got your retirement. I've got your needs. I've got whatever it is. And so if you step out in that faith number, God's going to meet you right in the midst of that. To help you with uh, your planning, we've created this commitment card. It's been on the seat every single week. Um, And the reason why we've done that is because we don't believe in pressure. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're trying to help you plan. Uh, so this commitment card, as you process your faith number, uh, this will help you get there. So you can give gifts out of stored assets like cash or uh, retirement, stock, selling a, a, a second home, you know, something like that. Uh, maybe, maybe you're getting an inheritance or whatever. So that's kind of the stored assets. And then there's monthly giving. This is how my wife and I are getting there. Uh, we have the one time upfront, and then we have uh, the, the monthly stuff. And then we're like, okay, and then when taxes hit and, you know, just trying to be creative in our finances to, be get, to get to our faith number. Now next week is our Commitment Sunday. But here's what I know. If the average person attends church once every five weeks in Colorado, and I just told you that next week is Commitment Sunday, there's going to be like three of you that show up. Okay, please show up next week. This is the most pivotal Sunday our church has ever had. It's the most important day we've ever had as a church. We're going to have all kinds of things going on. We're going to be celebrating because we just believe God's going to show up in a powerful way. And so we're going to have a coffee cart and a donut wall and kids are going to have stuff going on. There's going to be all, and we're going to be partying in here. There's going to be all kinds of stuff happening. Please don't miss next Sunday. If you're out of town, join us online. Join us online. Uh, if you live out of town, join us online. If you're here, please be here. Uh, it's the most pivotal Sunday of our church. And I believe God's going to step out in a, in a big way. Now, if you've never given, maybe you're new to the faith or you, you don't really trust giving to a church, uh, man, this is a great first step uh, because this is super tangible. Like you know exactly where your money is going. So I want to encourage you, take that tangible step. And if we raise the $4 million, then we'll be in our own home, our own building within 16 to 18 months. Which to me is super exciting because even today, uh, like t- days like today, like these speakers went out. Uh, they're just gone. Like, and that's part of storing your stuff in a cold trailer uh, and being portable and all of that. Like, I can't tell you how many issues we have every single week that our team works hard to fix. Uh, and that's most of those issues are because we're portable. Uh, so I can't wait to get into our own home and see what God chooses to do with that church. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your willingness to step out in faith. And I I believe that God's going to show up in a big way. I just want us to pray for a moment. Father, we just come before you, and I thank you. God, I thank you that you are going to move mountains next week. Father, you're already moving in our hearts, and I pray, Father, that as we process through what you want us to do, God, may we take a step forward with that faith number. May you just do something so great in our hearts and our lives, Father, that we would respond knowing that you're going to take care of us, that you are faithful and you are good, and you are right here, Father. And so you're going to take care of us as we step out in faith, meet us in the midst of that. And now speak to us from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Right, I've been loving this time period that we've been studying. Uh, so many of you have come up to me and told me, man, this series has challenged your faith and encouraged your faith, and it's done the same for me. I want to give you a quick recap. Uh, right now, the, uh, the, the Jewish people, their city, Jerusalem, has been besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, uh, and this has happened multiple times to them throughout the years, but almost every time, God responds by rescuing them. Uh, but he says, this time, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to suffer the consequences of your sin. You got here on your own, so you're going to have to suffer those consequences. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he besieges the city. He starts to take off the gold and the treasures. Then he starts to take the people, which is what is called the Babylonian exile, where the people are being taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And it's during this time the people must be thinking, surely this won't be long. Like, God seems to keep rescuing us, and he keeps showing up, but it's probably not going to be, God's not going to have us staying in this foreign land for that long because he gave us the promised land. He's got to keep us there. Well, God tells him through Jeremiah exactly how long they're going to be there, and it's not a short period of time. And then, then he, taught, he gives them like this word, this encouraging word, challenging word, and it's a, it's a passage that has been our theme throughout this series. We looked at it in one of the first couple of weeks of this series, and we're going to return to it. It's Jeremiah 29. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, no worries. We, if you need a Bible, man, as you're walking back to your car, you walk right by our blue connections tent, just ask them for a Bible. We'd love to give you one. Uh, No charge. We don't need your information. None of that stuff. Just grab one. Uh, Or you can download the Bible app. It's a great resource as well. But Jeremiah 29, verse 4, here's what God says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Stop right there. So this is what God says to everyone who's in exile, to all those who have been carried off, who are living in a foreign land, who are living in a land that is rubbing up against their values, that's, that's that, a land that where they didn't choose their leaders, a land where their leaders aren't seemingly following God, where, and a land that they begin to worshiping other things. And that place, God says, run, leave that city, go to a more conservative area. Oh no, he doesn't say that. He says, complain about how bad that place is and how bad the leaders are and how terrible of a place and and worry about all the future. Sorry, no, he he doesn't say that either. Look at verse five. He says, build houses and settle down. He says, plant gardens and eat what they produce. He says, put down roots. You're gonna be here a while. Like this isn't a short period of time. Like you've gotta make this your home. Verse 6, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. So marry and have kids and let your kids get married off and then have grandkids. Don't decrease, but increase. Then here's the kicker. Verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Who carried them into exile? God. He might have used Nebuchadnezzar, but God's the one that placed them in exile. God's the one that brought them out of Jerusalem and placed them into this foreign land. He says, And when you're there, what I want you to do is not complain and not dream about the days you're going to go back to a more conservative environment and whatever, but I want you to go, God, help me to seek the peace and the prosperity of this place." These are powerful words to a nation that their values are being rubbed up against. The people are worshiping other gods. Not only that, they're changing the Israelites' names to reflect worship of other gods. Like, this is a bad situation. This is a bad culture. This is a bad environment. This is not what God promised. And yet God says, in the midst of that, I want you to seek the peace and the prosperity the peace and the prosperity. How do we do that? What does that even mean? What does it mean to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city? Like, I want to do that. No matter where God places me, I want to seek the peace and the prosperity of the place that I'm living. Like, when COVID hit, we we began to ask ourselves the question as a church, like, what do we need to do to seek the peace and the prosperity of our city? Like, what do we need to do to care best for this place that we live in? And so as we prayed through that, we, we just started asking, what are the needs and how do we meet those needs? And so when in a very short period of time, we gave away over 100,000 meals to families in need. Families right here in Douglas County, the second wealthiest county in America. You know, our wealth is masked. It, it, the poverty isn't seen very well. And so there's a lot of poverty. We said, well, how do we step into that? Not only that, but we gave a lot of money to individuals during that time to help them survive. We gave a lot of money to businesses during that time to help them stay open because we know if the businesses can stay open, then if they thrive, then maybe our city thrives. And if our city thrives, then we thrive. Not only that, but some of you guys may remember this. We did we did like these these drive-by parades for people in assisted living homes. Like we would pile up cars, like dozens and dozens of cars, and people would have like like signs that would say like we love you and you know, we we see you and things, and we would just drive by these assisted living homes and they would be sitting out because they knew we were coming. They would be sitting out in their rocking chairs and or in their little balcony areas and they would just be waving because no one could come in and they couldn't go out, but we're like, We'll come to you. And we'll just drive by and wave. Like we just saw the need and decided to meet the need. Why? Because it wasn't about us. It was about seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city. I May mean, I want our city to flourish. The Bible says if the city flourishes, then we too will flourish. So how do we seek the peace and the prosperity of our city? If you have that heart, if you have that desire that, that this place would thrive, then how do we do that? Let me give you four, four ways. Number one, you have to be rooted where God has you. You have to be rooted where God has you. Look back at verses 5 and 6. It says to build houses, to plant gardens, to, to marry, to have kids, to let your kids get married off. Let them, that, that's being rooted somewhere. That's, being, that's saying, like, this is my home. Now, if you're a native, and there's a bunch of natives in the room, if you're a native, this is easy with this place. Like, it's easy to think of Colorado. as like, man, this is home. If you're a native and you're still here, you're like, I'm never leaving this place. There's no way I'm going anywhere else. But for most of us, we're not natives. And I remember when we first moved here, I remember thinking, like, man, this place is incredible. You know, we got the outlets right here. My wife loves outlets and spending my money, you know. <laughs> I mean, we, we uh, she makes money too, so maybe it's hers. I don't know. Uh, we, uh, you know, we, snow, like, in Charleston, South Carolina, like, n- we don't ever see snow. You know, and we're like, we got snow, like, that's amazing. You know, we're, like, there were all these great things. And then we lived here for about a year, and we're like, the outlets are way too packed, and I'm not sure who in Castle Rock actually goes to them. I'm not. I don't know where these people come from, you know, but they're not here. Uh, and snows like it snows at the craziest times, like in May. It snowed May 31st this past year. Like that's unacceptable. That happens in Alaska. I didn't move to Alaska for that reason, you know. Like, and so you started thinking about all this stuff. And like, probably one of the biggest changes for us was like this religious culture changed drastically. Now, it's part of the reason why we got out of the South is because of the religious culture. But when we got here, one pastor told me, he said, Ernest, your best leaders are going to show up once every three weeks. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Because in the South, if you miss a Sunday, you were backslidden. You know, you didn't love Jesus anymore, and you were far in your faith. And, oh, we got to pray for Ernest. He missed church today. Georgia lost yesterday. He must be depressed. You know, like, that was the mentality in the south and so we move here and we're like whoa like people like are like cool not attending church but once every five weeks because there's so much else to do like this is crazy it's very very different I think so many of us and and probably our family did as well for a period of time is we live like this tree this tree right here it's in its own pot right And this pot is to help protect it, help get it to a certain place and and make sure the nutrients stay in and all of that stuff. But eventually, if this tree is going to grow and thrive to the position that it's supposed to, that it was created to. It's got to be taken out of the pot and actually planted into soil. The only way this tree grows and thrives is to be planted. The same is true for you and I. The only way for you and I to grow and to thrive is to be planted Where God has us. And for the majority of us in this room, unless you're visiting from somewhere else, God has you here. And he wants you to be planted here. This is a big deal for me. A big deal. It's a big deal for our church. As as I've been talking to buddies of mine who uh, are pastors elsewhere, they're like, okay, what are you doing? And I'm telling them, oh, we're trying to raise this money. And, well, how much is the building going to cost? How much is the land? They're like, holy cow. Like, you live in an expensive place. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, one guy told me they were able to buy a building and renovate it for half the price of just our land. Now, he doesn't live anywhere anybody wants to live, so I'm okay with it, you know. But I'm like, man, that's crazy. So I've had people say, like, why, like, why do it there? Ernest, just, just move. Like, move the church somewhere else. Like, people who live around here, one guy told me, he said, why don't you just move it to Parker? Like, you can get, and he showed me. He showed me the piece of land. You can get three times the amount of land for half the price that you're paying for your land, Ernest. And I'm like... Uh, oh, Parker, you know. <laughs> and some of y'all live there. <laughs> Another guy just a couple weeks ago said, hey, there's a church in, uh, just up the street on, on 25, big building on 25. They're struggling. Uh, they'd probably be willing to just become front range. Why don't you just move the church up there? And it's never been a temptation for me because we're planted here. God brought us here to this place, to plant roots here so that we can see him bless and bring peace and prosperity to this place and then beyond. And so it would be a lot easier to move. It would be a lot easier to take over somebody else's building. It would be a lot easier to do all of those things. But God hasn't called us to what is easy. God's called us to be planted. And if we don't raise the money and we're not able to keep the land or build the building or whatever, it doesn't change our mission. It doesn't change what God's called us here to be and to do. And that starts with being planted. So if you want to seek the peace and prosperity of a place, you've got to be planted. You've got to be rooted in that place. Number two, you've got to be a contributor you got to be a contributor. It says, build houses and plant gardens. Now, what's fascinating is that in the Old Testament, uh, God tells the people that when you have a garden or when you have a vineyard or a field, I want you to leave a portion of it so that the, the, the foreigner, the widow, those who are poor, the, those who can't get it on their own, they can come through your field and take what you have. So I want you to make sure you're caring for other people. Now, God doesn't change that command just because they're in exile. God doesn't say, well, now that you're in exile and you're in a foreign land, like, you know what, you can just keep the stuff for yourself. He says, no, no, no. I still want you to be a contributor. I still want you to give. There's a big difference between seeking the peace and prosperity of a city and consuming the resources of the city. There's a massive difference between seeking the peace and prosperity of the city, being a contributor, being an investor, and just consuming. You know, same in the church. I mean, in the church world, you know, you can, you can either just come to church every once in a while, or if you want to grow and you want to thrive, then you've got to not only root yourself somewhere, but you've got to contribute. You've got to give of your time, your resources, your energy. You start serving. You join a group. You start giving, all of those things. And that helps you to grow and to thrive as a human, Well, if we want our our place to thrive, we want our our city to thrive and to grow and and for us to grow and all of that, then we've got to be a contributor. Contributors, investors, they look for ways to bless, to bless people, to bless a town, to use their resources, their time, their energy, their money to help others. They know that the greatest ROI, return on investment, is to think about God's kingdom and how his kingdom can come here on earth as it is in heaven. There's nothing greater you can invest in than that right there. So you've got to be rooted somewhere. You've got to be a contributor. Number three, you've got to be a peacemaker. You've got to be a peacemaker. It says seek the peace. How do you do that? Well, you pray for it, of course, but you also have to take action. We were talking about this in my, my community group last week, that, that you can't just pray for something to happen. You've got to actually take step of faith. You've got to do something with what God has given you. To be a peacemaker means you're not just seeking harmony in a place, but you're seeking justice. You're seeking ways to bless others. You're seeking ways to to find the need and then to meet the need. Why? Because God wants to bring justice, mercy, and righteousness to a place. And God wants to do that through you. That's what we believe as a church. It's what we've tried to to live out. We've given away over $850,000 since we started. The video said $750,000. That's because that was six months ago. Like we've been able to use more resources to give away. What a terrible time to give away money when you're thinking about having to ask for money to build a building. Why would you give away money? Why wouldn't we just keep all of that? We'd have to raise less money by now. It's never been our mindset because God's called us here to bring peace to bless others. We've started 31 churches. There's about to be another church starting this month in an unreached village in Kenya. They're gonna start it underneath a tree. There's gonna be no air condition, no heat, none of that, and they're gonna worship Jesus because of your generosity, because of what you guys are doing. We've given out over 371,000 meals to families in need, not in Kenya, not in some other place, right here in Douglas County. 371,000 meals because of you guys. We've given to organizations like A21 to help stop sex trafficking. We've given to organizations like Hope's Promise that focuses on pregnancy crisis and intervention, adoption, foster care. To help women make a very difficult decision, some of the most difficult moments of their life, to choose life over the alternative. To choose life Maybe sometimes giving up their child, this organization walks with them. We've given to them, we've given organizations like Wellspring, which focuses on adults with physical and uh, mental disabilities to help them become contributing members of society, to know that they're loved, that they're cared for. We started uh, a special egg hunt. That's what we call it, and it's an egg hunt really for special needs kids. Uh, for for kids who have visual uh, impairments and we have eggs that are beeping so that they can find that or uh, kids who have mobility challenges and we have give them a dowel rod with a magnet at the end and then the eggs have magnets in them and they can roll over in their wheelchair to an egg and pick it up that way or scoot across the ground and pick it up that way or kids like my own son who has autism we have a a quiet hunt for kids that that need more sensory stuff going on and less noise going on and this past year We had 2,500 people show up to the egg hunt. That's incredible. Thank you, one person. Thank you. (laughs) 2,500. 2,500 all because we want those who are forgotten, those who feel like they're the least of these, to know that God sees them, to know that God loves them, and to know that there's a church who is here for them. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. We don't do this for recognition. In fact, we got voted a couple years ago. I don't know, I even know how you get voted for this stuff. for the number one church in Castle Rock or Douglas County or whatever it was. And we chose not to take it. Because it's not about the recognition. It's about serving people. It's about loving people. And doing whatever we can. And the, here's the cool thing. We've been able to do all of that while being portable, while meeting in nine different locations over the last eight years. That's crazy to me. Imagine. Imagine if we had a building. Imagine how many more people would come to Christ. Imagine how much more money we'd be able to give away. Imagine what we could do with that building. Imagine being able to open up our, our doors for students for after school programs and letting them come to a safe place, and, and then over a period of time, helping them come to know Christ. The land is right beside Castleview High School and Castle Rock Middle School. Imagine the opportunities we're going to get because of that right there. Imagine the ability to open up our church to other portable churches who don't have places to meet and, and meetings to have and, and being able to use our equipment that when it works, uh, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, like, imagine that opportunity that we get to bless other churches. Imagine the opportunity that we get to say to the town, whatever meetings you need to have or, or to sports teams or whatever, here's what you need. I had one dad tell me earlier this week that I'm giving it for the church for the city because my daughter can't get married in a school I'm like yeah amen that's why we need a building you know (laughs) I got a daughter too I get it I get it but imagine the local church is the hope of the world the local church is the hope of the world not our politics not our politicians not other great organizations the local church the local church is the greatest generator of missions and caring for the lost and the least of these than any other group on the planet. Meaning the local church, specifically if the American local church can thrive, other places will thrive. Imagine what we could do if we were peacemakers. So if we wanna seek the peace and prosperity of the city, we have to be rooted where God has you, you have to be a contributor, you have to be a peacemaker, and lastly, you have to be committed to prayer. You have to be committed to prayer. I love this passage. At the very end, so God says, hey, I want you to do all of these things, and then he wraps it back up. He says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banish you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God says, I want you to build houses and plant gardens and, and get married and have kids and get them married and have grandkids and all of these things. But I want you to seek me first and foremost. I want you to seek after me as you seek after me, as you pray, I will be found by you, I will hear you, and I will answer your prayers. As people, as individuals, as the church, we have to be committed to prayer. So what do you pray for? I'm about to give you five things, and once those five things come up on the screen, I want you to take a picture of it so you remember, or write them down, or whatever is easiest for you. Let me give you five things. That people ask me all the time, man, I, I don't really know how to pray. Can you tell me like, what I'm supposed to pray for? Let me give you five things to be praying for. Number one, pray for the peace and prosperity of our city. Pray for the peace and prosperity of our city. What does that mean? Pray for God's kingdom to come. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may you do what you want to do in our place, in our town, in our city, in our state. God, may your will be done here and use us in the process. Number two, pray for the leadership of our city. Pray for the leadership of our city. Hey, we got to we got a big thing happening on Tuesday. We get an opportunity, we get a privilege, we get a responsibility to vote. And I wanna encourage you, please, get out and vote. We get a voice, right? We get an opportunity to change things. I've had people leave our church because they've said, well, you didn't tell me to vote for so-and-so or so-and-so, I'll never tell you who to vote for. Unless I'm running, then I might tell you about both of me. <laughs> I'm never gonna tell you that, why? Because I'm gonna constantly tell you to focus your eyes on Jesus. And I just believe if you focus your eyes on Jesus and on what God's word says, then you align that with the best politician possible. No politician meets at 100%. But if you look at God's word and you focus your eyes on Jesus, then it should be pretty easy most times to go, This person and what they stand on most aligns with God's word. Doesn't happen perfectly for anybody. And so as you pray, pray for our leaders. Pray for those right now that you're wanting into office, and then pray for those that are in office, who get into office. I know some of you are like, well, i pray for them. Pray for fire to come down. I'm not talking about that type of prayer. What do you pray for for your leaders? Pray for them to come to Jesus. Pray for them to come to Christ. That's the first prayer. Not God, get them out of office. The Bible says that God places people in office. So not God, get them out of office, but God, help them come to you. And if they already know Christ, may they be deepened in that relationship with Christ. If they don't know Christ, may they come to Christ. Like imagine a a politician coming to Jesus because there's a bunch of people who are followers of Jesus, praying for them to come to Jesus. That sounds pretty good. That sounds like a world I want to live in. And then pray, whoever is in power, they will create policies that most align to God's word. That most align to God's word. Pray for them to be moved. Well, this party won't ever be, or this person won't ever be. then you don't believe in a powerful God like I do. So pray for your leaders. Pray for your mayor. Pray for your senators, pray for your governor. Pray that God will put the right people in place. Whatever that means, there's so many times I'm like, God, I think you might have made a mistake here. But I'll put the authority and the power back in your hands because you're God. Number three, pray for the church in our city. Pray that people will be rooted. People will be rooted in the church. They would see themselves as peacemakers, as contributors they would see themselves as people who are supposed to be making a difference in this world. Pray for the church in our city. Number four, pray for God's word to bring fruit. Pray for God's word to bring fruit. Like imagine if God's word, what he says here, was just lived out in front of us. Like imagine if that was our our city, if that was our state, if that was our country. That'd be a pretty great place to live. So God, may your word come to fruition. May you do what your word says you can do. A bunch of us elders just spent the last few minutes praying over a guy asking for complete healing, and the healing doesn't make sense. Like if I told you you'd be like, "That's nah, not gonna happen. Why not? That's what God's word says. says it can. Well, what if we prayed that God's word would produce fruit in our city? And then lastly, pray for the church, for the city. Pray for this thing that we're going through right now for the church for the city because this is our launching off point. Like if we, can, if we can do this, imagine what God can do in and through us. So take a picture of this if you need it, write it down, whatever. If people are like, man, I don't know what to pray for. Even if you're like, you see this list, you not, I'm not sure what to pray for. Pray the scriptures that I gave you beside it. Just pray those scriptures over it. So hey, God, we pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. Then pray Matthew 6, 9, and 10. That's God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just pray that over it if you're not sure how to pray. In fact, speaking of praying over, I want to pray over you. I want to pray scripture over you. It's Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I believe that, like, like, when somebody's praying for me, what I typically do is I hold my hands like this. Don't, so maybe open your eyes if you've already closed them. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. I open my hands in like a receiving posture. Like, God, I'm receiving these words that are being spoken over me. So if you feel comfortable enough, maybe, maybe open your hands. Close your eyes, open your hands, and say, God, I receive these words. Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay, stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are our rock, that you are upright, that you are good, that you are faithful. Father, you are powerful. We proclaim that today. And as we look to you, God, we ask, Father, that you would use us to bring peace and prosperity to this place. Not because we want attention, we want recognition. God, because you've saved us, you've redeemed our lives, you've transformed us. So Father, we want you to transform this place. God, we ask that you would bring peace and prosperity, that you would help us to be rooted here. That we wouldn't be thinking about going somewhere else or leaving this place because it's too hard or too dark or too whatever. God, we would go as you have us here until you uproot us, Father, our roots will go deep. Father, may we be contributors. May we give of ourselves, of our time, of our resources, our energy, of what you've given to us, Father, may we give that back, knowing that's the greatest ROI, is to give so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may we be peacemakers May we seek not just for harmony, but may we seek for justice, for mercy, for righteousness, as your word says. And Father, may we be prayer warriors. Father, we do lift up this election to you. We ask that your will be done. Father, I know what my will would be, I know what I think would be best. And I pray that the right people get into power, Father, to shift some of the things that we're seeing, to God help us to grow go closer to you, Father, to help us, God, come closer in alignment to your word. In whatever area or direction that is, Father, we leave that into your hands. And Father, we trust that you are the one who places all power into place. And so we submit to you, Father. We ask that your will be done in our town, in our county, in our state and in our country. But you create a place where we can thrive as humans and thrive as the church. And whatever way that looks to you, God, we submit to it. We thank you. God, lead us, move us, help us to be people who seek the peace and prosperity of a place. In Jesus' name.